Good to have you guys here today. I'm so happy you guys are here with us. Uh, um, I know uh, John Jacobs here in a moment is just going to invite you tonight. But before he comes up, I just want to remind everybody, tonight at 6.30 p.m., we are going to be having a blowout evangelism night, okay? So remember those papers we handed out last week about the five people you guys can bring? Right? Let's do that tonight. Bring five people with you tonight, if, especially if they need to know who Jesus is. Let's bring them tonight and let's see Jesus do his work. Amen? Come on, somebody. All right, good. <laughs> I want to make sure we're all here together. So I'm excited uh, today because we got John Jacobs with us, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the founder of the Power Team back in the day when I was a kid. Um, now it's power for us and it's so good. So John Jacobs is the founder of the Strength Evangelism Concept and the power team now called the Next Generation Power Force. He has held over 4,000 crusades in 40 countries. They range from a bullfighting ring in Venezuela to record numbers in Moscow, Russia. His team has held over 30,000 public school assemblies in the U.S. alone where he frequented many of the world's largest churches like Potter's House with T.D. Jakes and Lakewood Church with Joel Osteen. He has been featured on CNN, People Magazine, and almost every major network. John had a worldwide weekly television show that ran for 15 years. 23 years ago, Chuck Norris attended one of, the, one of John's crusades where he accepted Christ. As a result, CBS did an entire episode of Walker, Texas Ranger featuring John and his team. Since the beginning of his ministry, John has seen over a million people come to know Christ at his crusades. The last and most important factor, John has a passion for seeing the law saved, the brokenhearted healed, and the depressed encouraged while Christ getting all the credit. Would you please stand with me and let's welcome John Jacobs this morning. This is a beautiful place. How many would rather be here than California or New York? Woo. I'm telling you, I love Wisconsin. Man, I'm an outdoorsman, and I just love to fish and hunt. And this is called, I guess, the outdoor state of America. And I asked the pastor, are the people so nice here, or is it just me? But I just want to tell you, I love Wisconsin. I think God's up to something in Wisconsin. Come on, somebody. And, uh, you know, I love your pastor. I've been with almost 5,000 pastors personally. And once in a while, the Holy Spirit will say, you better look at this guy. Because there's something special about it. And I felt that this morning. I was sitting in his office. And the Holy Spirit said to me, take a good look. He's one of my generals for these last days. And I just want to tell you, it's an honor and privilege to be here, and of course his wife. And uh, you know what, I'm, I'm just so excited that people are going to get saved tonight who you never dreamed would come to church. Pastor, I got a really good feeling about today. You know, uh, we, we tell churches what to do and suggest it, but most of them never really do it. But this church did it. And I am so proud of you. How many know this church wants a move of God? Come on, somebody. Come on. You know what? That, that's powerful. Uh, I want to say that tonight it's worth coming just to see who comes. 
for you that don't know or are familiar with me, I think this is my first time in old Alaska, and there's somebody who's seen me in Tempore over the years. But, you know, God has given me a tool to draw in the community and the unchurched. I don't play an instrument. I failed at seven instruments when I was in grade school. I don't sing, but I used my talent and gift, and God increased it. And I had a passion to see people get saved. I believe in the difference that Jesus makes when he comes to live in your heart. And you know what? Hey, listen. We, God has anointed this tool we have to fill stadiums like in Russia with 85,000 people. Can you imagine when I was 17 and I started trying to do things to get people's attention? But God saw it. And tonight... I want to just say, I'm believing really big tonight. Faith is not to believe for what you've already seen. Faith is to believe for what you've never seen. Come on, somebody. I want to tell you that, hey, the other night, we saw, we had two, one little grandma put up a, one of our flyers. And you know who saw it? Two hell's angels. And they came walking into church, and they came forward and got saved just the other night. I'm telling you, hey. Already this year, we've seen three police chiefs, a federal judge, a senator's wife, and many times they tell me the roughest, the redneckest man in the city comes and they get saved. And you know what? Tonight, I'm believing that this church has sown the seeds. I'm believing that God is going to do something. You know, prophetic, I feel very prophetic this morning. I was sitting in my truck, and once in a while, the Holy Spirit will speak to me and about a church, and the Holy Spirit said, you better get ready. Today's not going to be church as usual, and you know what? The Lord spoke to me. This church is going to surprise you. This church is going to shock you. This church is going to encourage you, so I got full of my heart. Tonight at 6, 6.30, I want to ask all of you awesome, amazing Wisconsin people to go home and call four or five people. Let's all pull together for a night of, for souls, for a move of the Holy Spirit. Recently, the other Sunday night, we had 33 men get saved in one night. You know what? The other night, we had a man that hadn't heard one sound in 25 years, and they had me pray over him. And his ears begin to pop, and within a few minutes, he could perfectly hear. I'm believing tonight for many people to get saved. I'm believing that we're going to have signs and wonders and miracles. I'm believing God's going to take us to the next level. Come on, somebody. So, hey, tonight, I want to say that we will do some of the feats of strength to show you the tool that God has used over the years. I've had over 200 men on my team. I've had running backs from the Dallas Cowboys. I had two guys who bench pressed over 1,000 pounds. One of them won the world championship twice. But my favorite of all time is going to be here tonight. This man that's going to be here tonight, yes, you've seen him on America's Got Talent. Yes, you've seen him on the Guinness Book of World Records snapping 50 bats in 50 seconds. Wide world of sports. The man coming tonight is a Holy Ghost revival preacher. And 
He is going to give his testimony tonight. You know what his testimony is? He was born a cripple. The doctor said he'd never take one step. His legs were deformed. And you know what? His parents were assemblies of God, believed in miracles. And when he went to school, they made fun of him. He had to walk with belts and braces to his knee, for his waist. But at 13, God did something. God healed him, and he became the number one track star in the history of his high school. He was the captain, VIP, of the state championship basketball team and got a full ride to the university. And you know what? He's going to reach forward and pray over you tonight that God loves to turn setback stories into comeback stories. Come on. Come on, somebody. And uh, tonight we're going to do some of the feats of strength. Um, we're going to uh, bend a giant steel bar, um, snap, a bat, uh, snap a hammer over our chest, snap the baseball bats, and um, he's going to do the giant spikes to his eyes and raise them out just using his wrist. Tonight we're going to break the handcuffs, and tonight I'm going to rip the biggest phone book I could find. I know some of you <laughs> younger people probably don't know what a phone book is, but it's like a big book. I'm going to take it and rip the big book at once. And tonight, I mean, we're going to have fun. And how many know it's okay to have fun in church in Wisconsin? But we're going fishing for this city tonight because God's called us to be fishers of men. Just a while back, a little grandma, don't ever underestimate what little grandmas can do for God. Come on. Put up one of our flyers. And you know who saw it? A man that never been in church in his life. He came Sunday morning. And he wore the most vulgar T-shirt I've ever seen. His hair was wild. He knew nothing about church. But when I gave the altar call, he came forward, started crying, receiving Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said to me, go be his friend. So I went down and put my arm around and said, brother, are you accepting Jesus? He said, yes. And then you know what he whispered in my ear? I've robbed two banks. I said, What? He begins to tell me he's a modern-day bank robber getting saved. So I just said the first thing that came to my mind. I mean, sometimes you just got to say whatever the Holy Ghost tells you. I said, tonight, we'll break handcuffs in your honor just for you if you'll invite every criminal you know. I mean, the Holy Ghost told me to say that. I did. He walked in that night with 19 men. You know who they were? The leading crystal meth dealers in that county. All 19 men and two girlfriends came forward and got born again, saved. Two weeks later, the sheriff called me. You know what the sheriff told me? Your meeting changed the atmosphere of our county. Now, how many think tonight we don't need just another get-together? We don't need just another church meeting. We need a God happening that will change something. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Ladies and gentlemen, so at 6.30 tonight, um, I'll ask every, you know, even if the people don't come, God will bless you for making the effort. You know, COVID was an attack on the church. 40,000 churches have closed since COVID. Church attendance is down 40%. And a lot of churches, when they got punched in the stomach, they just sat in their corner. But how many of you know we're living in the last days? And the Lord spoke to me, 
don't worry, I will have the last word. And there's coming a move. You know, David Wilkerson said in 1987, you know what he prophesied? There's coming a day when every church in America will be closed. He said New York will be the hub. But immediately after that will come the greatest outpouring the world has ever seen. And I want to tell you, we are in the last days. When we go into the public schools, I want to tell you, I get shocked every day now. Preachers aren't allowed to go into schools. I was just in a school the other day. The principal said, I've been wearing a bulletproof vest and three of my teachers because we don't want to be shot dead in our school. Forty shootings in America schools last year, one by a six-year-old boy who took his father's handgun and shot the teacher. How many of you know one out of three little girls sexually molested one out of five boys? A million young people were reported missing last year, and the number one increasing crime is human trafficking. What I see in the school now is double the amount of kids cutting themselves. And when I go into a school now, I can't believe, it shocks me every day. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, this is not just a Wisconsin changing church. This is an America changing church, and America needs this church. I said America needs this church. And uh, so, you know what, everybody? Let's pull together to give the devil the worst Sunday night he's ever had in the history of Onalaska, Wisconsin. Come on, everybody. How many agree? Now, I'm not going to speak long, but I just want to share. I, I don't do speaking engagements. I only do divine appointments. I don't preach messages, because most people don't remember. I impart a prophetic word to their spirit and ask God to perform it. So I've been praying about being here. I was tipped off about your pastor. My top guy that's coming tonight said, this guy's really a Jesus guy. And so I started praying really serious. And you know what? I, I begin to feel that God began to prophetically speak to me what to pray over this church at the end of the service. You know what I'm going to pray over every one of you? Reach my hand. I'm going to pray that God's going to fill the rest of this year with divine appointments and divine surprises. You know what? Every day you should plug into the spout where the glory comes out. And God will, and then when God puts you at the right place at the right time, then a God happening occurs. And when you reach out to someone and you use your gifts and talents, God may use it to change the world. How many of you know that? God only needs a little bit to do a whole lot. What I'm going to share this morning is from Acts chapter 9. Can you put it on the screen? Verses 23 to 25. One act of Jesus can change the world. I said one act of Jesus. When an ordinary person does an extraordinary thing, one act of Jesus, Lord, put me at the right place at the right time. Lord, Jesus, you're my source. Blessing of God come into my life. And as you begin to pray, the Holy Spirit will guide you. And you'll have an open heaven. And he'll put you at the right place. And God will put you for one act of Jesus can change the world. And 
in this chapter, I'm going to be sharing about, remember Saul? This Roman officer that was so zealous. You know he was a member of the Sanhedrin, so he was a big deal. You know what his zeal, you know what his, you know what his purpose was as a Roman officer? To find, persecute, arrest, and torture Christians. That was his job. And he got a letter from the high priest of the church of Damascus, the Jewish synagogue, that said, can you come and speak to us? <laughs> and if you find any of them Christians along the way, arrest them, bind them, and bring them with you. Woo. Little did the world know what would happen on the way. And how many of you know the story? While he was traveling to Damascus, the power of God hit him like a bright light, like a lightning bolt. And the Bible says those with him fell back and he couldn't see. And remember what he said? He said, who is this Lord? And the voice of God answered, I'm he, Jesus, who you persecute. Isn't it hard to kick against the spikes? And then the Lord spoke to him, when you get to Damascus, go to the house of the disciples, and they're going to pray over you, and you're going to receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, you know what? Can you imagine what the disciple, um, what they, when they got a dream and God spoke to them in a vision, Saul's coming and pray for him. And you know what the disciples said? But Lord, isn't that the guy who hunts us down and kills us? Isn't that? And the Lord said, I have chosen him to be a voice piece for me. To the Gentiles, to the kings, and to the house of Israel. Now, isn't it unusual who God chooses? And how many of you think you should never count anybody out? In fact, how many think the last person we would pick, how many know God enjoys picking? Come on, somebody. And you know what happened? He got to the, and, they, and the disciples prayed over him. And the Bible says, scales fell from his eyes. And when they prayed over him, he was filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And you know the first thing he did? <laughs> this is incredible. He went to the church, the Jewish synagogue, that had written him a letter, come and speak to us. And if you find any of them Christians. So can you imagine when they introduced to him, oh, Saul's here. One of our champions to get those Christians. And the Bible says the first thing Saul did, he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He stood up there and he preached what happened when he met Jesus of Nazareth. Now, how many of you believe the, the, the Jewish synagogue and the, and the priests were, isn't this the guy who's supposed to kill the Christians? You know what they said? We've got to kill him because everybody's going to believe in this Jesus. How many of you know you can argue religions, but you can't argue with the transformed life? Come on, somebody. How many of you know this guy named Saul had become dangerous to the devil? He said, we're going to kill him. And I want to read to you. In verse 23, this man named Saul. Now, how many of you know this man 
would go on to write the majority of the New Testament. How many of you know this man would go on to become a, a life that's impacted the world, that's changed the world? But right then, he was just a, a, a man that God said pray for him, chosen him. And how many know he was in deep waters? Because the Jewish elders and leaders said, we've got to kill him, and we've got to kill him now. So I want you to put on the screen, if you can, um, Acts chapter, and I want you to follow me. This is good. It's going to get real powerful in this place. Is it on the screen? Verse 23. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, this is in the city of Damascus, and the city was sealed. And they, made, they, they waited at the gates, and they finally said, we've got to kill him tonight. We can't let his story get out. How many know God gives us all a story? we got to get it out. And, but their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. They didn't know he'd write the majority of the New Testament. The disciples said some of them didn't even believe him. But he was in deep water. He was in trouble, and it came, they were going to kill him. But look at the next verse. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall, through the window, in a large basket. <laughs> now, first of all, you know what a basket was back in those days? It held fruit. Now, can you imagine a full-size large man in a basket and the disciples are holding the rope? Can you imagine that was not easy? I've had to hold the rope for my German shepherd when it saw a cat, and I got rope burns like you would not believe. I almost had to go to the hospital. But you know what? These disciples, they didn't know this man would write the majority of the New Testament. They didn't know this man would change the world. They were just doing one act of Jesus by holding the rope. By holding the rope. How many of you know God wants to put you at the right place at the right time every day to hold the rope? Ladies and gentlemen, the hero in this story is those who held the rope. They didn't have any idea who was in that basket. How many of you know you have no idea that one person that you pray over, that you witness to, that you reach out to and you pull them out of the ditch. How many of you know God just may use them to change the world? I don't understand it, but there's something about when a child of God picks somebody out of trouble, out of a ditch. There's a synergism, and God always makes a story, and it's incredible. It gives him glory. How many know we should pray every day? Here we are, Lord. Use me, guide me, put me at the right place. Give me divine appointments. Give me divine surprises. This morning, as I get to the, toward the end, can I tell you, can I talk about the people in my life that have held the rope? How many of you think the next time you keep thinking about somebody that wronged you, don't keep cursing it, nursing it, and rehearsing it. Think about those who held the rope for you and believed in you. Come on, somebody. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I was born in a city called, ever heard of New Orleans, Louisiana? And when I was little, it was one of the most dangerous cities in the world. And my dad left me when I was five years old. And my mother and I were estranged. My neighbor got murdered. My other neighbor had a shootout. And at, at five years old, I was a stuttering, insecure, afraid little boy that had nightmares every night. But you know what the highlight of my life was? Whenever my grandparents from the Midwest would come visit, woo, I would get so excited. You know who my best friend was? My grandmother. You know who my, my grandpa was, this big guy that was, he coached college football. And he was, but he, they, there was something different about my grandparents. And when I was in trouble, you know what I did every day and every night at six years old? I went behind my house and fished in the, in the bayous. I didn't turn to drugs and alcohol. I turned to fishing. I mean, day and night, I even had my own little boat at seven years old. But I was in trouble. I needed someone to hold the rope. And my grandparents from Indiana came all the way to New Orleans. They adopted me. They picked me up. They took me back with them, not to visit, but to live. The first Sunday they took me to church, I got saved. My grandparents bought a big enough house across the street from the church. And guess what? My grandparents believed in me. My grand I killed my first squirrel when I was nine years old with my grandpa's shotgun. He cleaned it. My grandma cooked it. And yes, I've eaten squirrel. Come on. How many know I might belong in Wisconsin? Amen. And guess what? My grandparents took me to church three times a week. They never once asked me, do you want to go? Come on, somebody. And you know what? When I was in deep trouble, they didn't know their grandson would preach one day to 85,000 in Moscow. How many know I was just a stuttering, insecure little boy without a dad and really without a mom? But my grandparents, they held the rope. They held the rope. When I was 12, man, I was going to church and I accepted Christ and I wanted to serve God. I tried out for the youth choir, but they weeded me out because I couldn't hold a tune. And, uh, but you know what? At 12 years old, a NFL football player who was a Christian and went to my church from the Minnesota Vikings, you know what he said? He said, I'll, I'll come and work out with you three times a week. And for a year, at 12 years old, this big, now how many of you think he had other things to do. How many of you know if you play pro football, you've got a lot to do? And he didn't look at it like a, a burden. He looked at it like a divine appointment. That three times a week, he'd come to my church, and we had a weight room. I remember they were, some of them were plastic weights back then. But I was getting stronger. And you know what he said to me? You've got a gift of strength. You should use it for God. And you know what? 12 years old, that pro football player who loved Jesus, he held the rope for me. He held the rope for me. And ladies and gentlemen, when I turned 16, I'm on my way to being the second strongest teenager in America. And I wanted to use my strength to get people's attention because I got tired of people thinking Christians are weaklings. 
it takes courage to walk in the power of God. So, you know, I remember saying, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. And guess who my church had in for a crusade? The world's strongest man. Paul Anderson, who won the Olympics, came to my church. And he came to my high school. And he got under a table of 10 people. And he lifted that table with 10 people on it. And my whole high school of 2000 hung on every word he said. He said, come back tonight to the church. And I'm going to press 200 pounds with one hand. I thought, um, I'm going. I'm getting my whole football team to go. You know what happened that night at my church? Half the football team got saved. A few months later, guess what my church had? A karate guy that cut a watermelon off the pastor's chest with a samurai sword blindfolded. Yes, we want to involve your pastor tonight, but we won't be doing that. We won't. We won't. And guess what? He came to my high school, and he kicked through some things. He broke some things. He got everybody's attention. He spoke to them and said, come back tonight to the church. I'm going to crush one ton of ice with my arm. The other half of my football team got saved. Do you know what happened to my high school of 2,000 kids in Evansville, Indiana, called Harrison High School? We started a prayer meeting before school, and it grew up to 700 kids meeting. 30 minutes, we filled the auditorium. And you know me, the church young person, I never got in trouble with the principal. <laughs> but I started getting these pink slips all the time. John Jacobs, go to the principal's office. And he kept asking me, what are you doing? What, what's causing all this? You got to be, we got to be careful. You know what? Ladies and gentlemen, my church held the rope for me. My church believed in me. They, they had me teach Sunday school. And even though I couldn't sing in the youth choir, I worked with the mentally handicapped kids and people. And I went out soul winning every Tuesday night. My church said, John Jacobs, God's going to do something great with you. They held the rope. And at 17, I'm watching TV. Now I'm going to begin to close now. And there was a man, a world strong man. He ripped a phone book in two. I said, I could do that. And another guy, Mr. Universe, blew up a hot water bottle until it exploded and got the attention of 25,000 people. I said, I could do that. So you know what I did? I took two of the football team that got radically saved. And that summer before my senior year in high school, we did 17 crusades. And one of them ripped a phone book. One of them blew up a hot water bottle. And I, I broke a stack of bricks because I was in martial arts. And, and they'd give a testimony and I'd preach at these country churches. And I started using, I wanted to do what I could with what I had. But you know what I've learned, ladies and gentlemen? If you do what you can with what you have for God, God will increase what you have, and he won't leave you where you are. Come on, somebody. Because you know what happened? Hey, now I'm this big, strong guy, second American powerlifting. And the detective said, as strong as you are, you could break a pair of handcuffs. I said, no, I can't. But after two weeks, I snapped my first pair of handcuffs. And I started, I went to Bible college. I started going to prisons, snapping a pair of handcuffs, and the whole prison would come. 
when I broke handcuffs. And I'd preach and they'd all get saved. And then one day, in my Bible college, they said, John Jacobs, you won't believe who's on the phone for you. You know who it was? Pat Robertson of the 700 Club. And I said, okay. They flew me to Virginia Beach and said, can you tell us your story about what you do for God? So I told my story. You know, you all have a story you should tell. Come on. And you know what happened next? The biggest TV network in the world at that time that was on daily TV in 120 nations, countries. They called me up and said, would you come and preach and break your handcuffs? And we want to broadcast it to the world. I said, yeah, <laughs> I'd love to. It was in Miami, Florida. I went. I preached, told my story. Broke the handcuffs. And I don't know, but you know how most people will turn by Christian TV? I guess a lot of people stopped and said, hey, come in here. This guy's breaking handcuffs. Because when I led them in prayer to receive Jesus, the impact around the world was so big, that TV network said, we want to do a weekly TV show with you every week. We'll come film your crusades. And we want to use it every day in all the other nations, and we'll show it three times a week in America. You know, I didn't know what I didn't know what I was in for. But can everybody look me in the eyes? Because I'm I'm closing now. For 15 years, we filled coliseums all over America. I was in Moscow, Russia. We were on TV every day there. I've been to Russia five times. We had. 85,000 people in three nights and 20,000 gave their hearts to the Lord. They said it was the biggest meeting ever before since. I was in Venezuela and 60,000 people came to the bullfighting rink and 20,000 received the Lord. And you know me, the guy that couldn't sing, couldn't play an instrument, but I did what I could and people held the rope for me. They never knew I'd break handcuffs one day. Come on. They never knew, but they believed in me. And you know what happened? In a crusade in Dallas, Texas, you know who was sitting in the audience? Chuck Norris. How many have heard of Chuck Norris? And he came forward, and the guys behind me go, look who it is. It's Chuck Norris. And he was giving his heart to Jesus. The next night, his whole family got saved. And Chuck Norris reached out to me for me to be a personal friend to him. And we went to the movies together. We hung out together. He took me to his ranch, and we even went on vacation together. And you know what? He says to me, John Jacobs, we want to do a whole Walker Ranger TV show. Now, remember 23 years ago, the number one not Christian the number one action show in America was Walker, Texas Ranger. He said, we want to do a whole episode called The Principle with you and your team because we want to show the world your story for God. How you go into the roughest school in America and how God, the anointing, changes it and everything changes. Guess what? I talked to Chuck Norris on the phone two years ago. You know what he told me? 
He said, do you realize, John, that we have re-shown that show hundreds and hundreds of times around the world? I said, yeah, somebody just saw it the other day. He said, do you realize one, over one billion people have seen your gifts and talents and heard your message for God? You know what hit me? You know who the heroes are in my story besides Jesus? The people that held the rope. Because people held the rope, I was able to do things for God. God put his favor on me, and he used a little bit to do a whole lot. How many believe God wants every one of you to be a rope holder? How many think, I'm going to pray, look me in the eye, I'm going to prophetically pray over you, and I'm going to impart to you the anointing for divine appointments and divine surprises. The Lord told me to make a prophetic announcement this morning, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Today begins a new season of God's favor over your family, your finances, and your future. Remember what Jabez prayed when he had every reason to curse it, nurse it, and rehearse it? He surprised the whole crowd. His name meant pain and sorrow, to cause sorrow. He said, bless me. Increase me. Put your favor upon me. Keep me from evil. And I will not give up. I will not be discouraged. And the Bible says God answered his prayer. Ladies and gentlemen, how many know them? The world needs this church. That's what I felt in my spirit when I walked in. How many of you believe this is not just church as usual? How many of you believe this is a church of destiny? This is a church of passion. We don't want our friends to go to hell. Come on, tell me I'm right. Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, hold the rope. Hold the rope. God's going to put you at the right place at the right time. Come on. I know it. That person. But remember what God told Saul? What God told the disciples? I know he persecuted. But I have chosen him. There's people God's choosing, and he wants to use you to hold the rope. One act of Jesus can change the world. I'm going to say one last thing, and I'm going to pray. I have reason to believe the Antichrist is alive right now. Pastor, you gave me permission to say, <laughs> your pastor is just open to God. He said, just say whatever. My, my church wants to move a God. I can't tell this to most, most churches. But last year, one of my friends in Israel, he said something happened that never has happened in the history of Israel. On the front page of the Jerusalem Post, the headlines read that the Jewish Orthodox priests and the leaders of Judaism had been secretly and privately meeting with whom they say is the modern-day Messiah. Now, how many know we know that as the Antichrist? All I want to tell you is time is short. How many of you believe we're living in a waging spiritual warfare? I was in schools the other day, and the principal showed me kitty litter boxes in the bathrooms because it's like so many kids are identifying with the feline race. Our government wanted to teach first graders, you're not a boy or girl. There's 50 of them. How many know these are the last days we can't just sit in our church and play church? Come on, somebody. 
Somebody's got to do something somewhere. And God's looking for rope holders. Will you be a rope holder for God? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I feel the Spirit of the Lord is here. Everybody say, the Spirit of the Lord is here. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, move in this place. I feel the Holy Spirit moving in this place. I want, I want to ask, how many people here this morning, you've been discouraged? You, maybe you felt spiritually, you've been hurting spiritually. You've been, maybe you felt alone, maybe you've messed up too much. Some of you here may be wondering, does God really know about me? And if, if you're here this morning, can I pray for you especially? If you're here this morning and you say, I'm in spiritual trouble. I haven't been talking to God. I, I don't even know where I stand with God. But this morning, you feel God tugging at your heart. Maybe to give your life to him, maybe to rededicate your life. But all you, you want to open the spout where the glory comes out between you and God. How many here would say, John, pray for me in that prayer? Would you just slip your hand up real high right now and God will see that hand? All over the building, I see that hand and that hand and that hand and that hand. How many others? I see that hand and that hand in the back. How many others? I see those hands. God bless you over there. Anybody else says, hey, Lord, count me in. Slip your hand up in the air. Thank God for all, all of those hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I claim every person in here in heaven. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. I announce God's blessing, God's favor, and God's increase over this church and these people. Now, everybody pray with me. This, I want everybody here to say, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I surrender all to you. Here I am, Lord, not just part of me, but all of me. I receive the anointing for divine appointments, for divine surprises. And today begins a new season of God's favor on my life, on my family, on my finances, and upon my future. Here I am, Jesus. Fill my life with your presence and power. From this day forward, God is going to put me at the right place at the right time. And God is going to use me for something great. In the name of Jesus, and everything the devil has stolen from me, according to Joel chapter 2, I call it back sevenfold. This year, by the hand of God, and for every word of slander that's ever been used against me, God's going to use it to promote me. Here I am, Jesus. You open my doors. You promote me. You put me at the right place. My hope is in you, Lord. Blessing of God, come into my life. Increase of God, come into my life. Favor of God, come into my life. 
protection of God come into my life. I will not be discouraged. In the name of Jesus, I've been born for such a time as this. In the name of Jesus, God will complete that which he started. And in the name of Jesus, God is going to open my doors and he's going to complete his purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Now raise both hands and thank God. Come on, everybody. Now, before anybody moves, before anybody moves, please, I want to ask, can I talk to you just a minute? For like a, like, I, you know what I perceive? This is a family church. Everybody say we're a family church. You know what it means to be a family church? If the devil picks on one of you, he's going to deal with all of you. Come on. I mean, no, it's called I've got your back and I'm not giving up. Can I ask you, would you all look me in the eye? I want to talk to you. Can I talk to you like a family church? I have never seen a spiritual attack like right now on America's kids. Every school I go in, did you know suicide doubled last year? Did you know, folks, I go into a, they're wanting to fund nine-year-olds to have sex changes and not even tell their parents. How many of you know these are the signs of we are in, I'm expecting Jesus to come back today, if not today, surely tomorrow. How many know, and you know I want to say to you, look me in the eye everybody because I want to talk to you personal for a minute. The Lord spoke to me, this is the most important time for what you do going in the schools. When we go into the schools, we pray for the anointing. I ask God to send the Holy Spirit to anoint every, and then we speak a message of hope into these kids' hearts. You know what the principles tell me? It changes, and they can't even figure out why. But how many know we know why? And guess what? This morning, I want to tell you it's not easy. How many of you believe, you know what? We have members of our team. We have to go across the nation, and we don't raise money in the mail. You'll never get a letter from me asking you for your financial support. You know why? I think that belongs ongoing in the church. You know what else? We're not sponsored by any company. You know how we've seen over a million people give their hearts to Jesus? In every service, we take up one love offering. And I ask those people to take out their checkbook, debit card, billfold, and to go with me to the schools and go with me to my crusades. Last year, we have 50 crusades. 14,000 people got saved. Every crusade costs us $5,000. Every school costs us $1,000 to do a whole school. But you know something? When principals ask me, how much do you charge? The last speaker cost us $5,000. And we, we can't do it very often. When I tell them it's free, there's no charge, somebody else has already paid for it, the church, they have tears rolling down their cheeks. And we're able to go to the roughest schools in America. Last year before school was up, we did nine schools in California on the border of Mexico. And the sheriff said they have never listened to any speaker. But you could have heard a pin drop. And the superintendent of school said, we want you to come back in the fall right before our testing to inspire these kids. 
How many of you know they felt something? They may, they may not know what it was, but it's the Holy Ghost. And here's what I want to say. This morning, this last week, we found out about those 10 schools in California. And I want to be able to tell them we can come. And all week long, the Lord began to speak to my heart that wouldn't it be a miracle today in Onalaska, Wisconsin, spot I've never been, to win a victory that would impact America. And I have to give those, that, that football coach and those principals an answer this week. And you know what I'm believing God for today? I'm believing God. We're going to take up an offering in just a moment and then one tonight. How many will believe with me? We'll see those 10 schools come in and that I'm never going to forget River of Life and all of Come on, how many of you believe God could do that? Come on, somebody tell me God could do that. In just a moment, not yet, ushers, but I'll tell you when. Can everybody see this envelope right here? When you get this envelope, I'm going to ask you to take out your checkbook. Don't be nervous. You know why? No one has ever been hurt from giving to the Lord. How many of you know nobody's ever outgiven God? Come on. Do you know COVID almost, I mean, when we went through COVID, the only support we get is from the churches. And guess what? I had to sell everything I had. I had to even sell my bow. And Steve had to sell his house. And I, I said, Lord, what are we going to do? And the Lord told me, don't worry, when the church is open, don't care what size they are or how big the city is. The Lord told me, just go to whoever calls you. The first place we went, I bet you've never heard of this town. Ever heard of Climax Springs, Missouri? You know why you've never, oh, you have heard of it. You're the first person, I think. I'm, there's 190 people that live there. But do you know we had 400 come to our crusade? That little church had over 100 saved. But when it came time for the offering, one 92-year-old grandmother, she's 92, she had, they said, holes in her shoes because she didn't want to buy new shoes. She wrote a check for 10 schools, $10,000, and she put it in the offering. And you know what the Lord spoke to me? That's the beginning of momentum that God is raising up in these last days heroes. There's a call for heaven for heroes in these last days. How many of you believe that? And you know that you know what? The next city we went to was called um, Roach, Missouri. It, I, I know it sounds gross, but it's a cute little town outside the Lake of the Ozarks. A 16-year-old girl took one of our envelopes. You see it? And she sponsored four schools, $4,000 out of her tip money. She's a waitress at Captain Ron's Seafood on the lake. And everywhere we went, we saw many um, sponsor a school and give $1,000. Um, we had two homeless people last year sponsor a school. A lady put 10 $100 bills. She goes, I want to sponsor a school in the name of my baby because the father will never support it. She goes, by the way, we're homeless. I prayed over her, and I said, Lord, honor her seed. Two weeks later, she called our office. Someone had given her a house worth $140,000. How many believe if you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business? How many believe if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you? Come on. And this morning, I want to ask everybody here, how many of you are needing God to come through for you 
in some area this year, before this year is up. How many of you have been, been praying about something and you need God to come? Let me see your hands. Well, this morning I want you to make a covenant with God. When you pray over this offering, this is not a religious exercise. How many of you know when you give to a missionary, everything God does is a star in your crown in heaven? And I'm going to ask you to pray over this. Take out, Pray over your checkbook, your debit card. And how many of you believe by after tonight, God's going to shock me and surprise me with this church? How many believe this church could sponsor those 10 schools? How many believe God could do a miracle today? Come on. How many know that would be a seed in the history of this church? And in a moment, the ushers are going to hand you this envelope. But I see so many good-looking grandparents. How many grandparents do we have in this church? Let me see your hands. Raise them high. Woo! Grandparents, I got to throw this in for you. You know who my heroes are? My grandparents. Of course, they've gone to heaven now. And my grandparents, my grandfather said to me, when we die and go to heaven, we're going to leave you that 800 acres we fish and hunt on. My grandfather's telling me I'm going to inherit 800 acres. I started, you know, I, I was, didn't like the conversation too much about inheriting, but he said, but don't get too excited. It's swampland. It floods three times a year. You can't sell it. You can't build on it. And you can't, you can't plant on it. But my grandparents went to heaven. They changed their address. And he, I inherited 800 acres. But don't get too excited how many of it's swampland. But I found out that year about a pastor whose son was dying. And he didn't have enough money to save his own son's life. And the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and said, get up in the morning, go to your bank and take out all your savings. I said, Lord, I've never done that. And the Lord said, if you want to see what you've never seen, you got to do what you've never done. In fact, everybody here say that. If I want to see what I've never seen, i got to do what I've never done. So I went to the bank. My savings was $10,000. I sent it to help save that pastor's son's life. Two months later, I got the strangest phone call of my life. The man said, are you John Jacobs? I said, yes. He goes, do you own this land? I said, yes. He goes, congratulations. I'm from the Department of Wildlife, Fishing, Game, and Environment. Your land has just become some of the most valuable land in the world. I perked up and I said, is it oil, gas, or coal? You know what the man said? It's more valuable than oil, gas, or coal. I said, well, what is it? He goes, if we find an extinct animal or plant, we have to buy that land as an international sanctuary and protect it. And for some reason, 400 giant ferns, plants, have grown up on your swampland that are prehistoric and extinct, and we have to send you a check and buy your land. It confused me. I didn't even say praise the Lord. I just thought, okay. But you know what I got unconfused? Two months later, I got a check in the mail. I opened the envelope, and I felt like I hadn't eaten in two weeks. <laughs> the room started spinning. You know what the check was for? 200 times 10,000. And I said, Lord, this isn't going to just pay my bills. This is going to change my life. You know what the Lord spoke to me? That left heaven the moment you pulled for that young man's life, and there was nothing the devil could do to stop it. How many of you know that's a divine surprise? Come on, somebody. So when the ushers hand you this envelope, would you pray over it?
I'm believing God for seven heroes in this church to sponsor a school in the name of their family, name of the business. I had a prophetic dream the other night. Somebody gave 2023. And I asked the Lord five times. I dreamed it five times. He said, I'm sending you an agreement partner, according to Matthew 18, 19. And what you're going to see this fall will be the greatest things in your life. And I'm going to do the same for your agreement partner. How many of you think I would love to say my agreement partner is from Onalaska, Wisconsin? Come on. But would you pray over this? Steve told me all week God's been speaking to him. Somebody's going to sponsor five schools. But when we reach those ten schools tonight, how many believe I'll be the happiest man in Wisconsin? Because we'll be able to visit those kids that don't have a preacher. Ushers, would you pass an envelope out to everybody here? I'm not afraid to ask you to write the biggest check you've ever written in church. You know why? I've been doing this 43 years. I've never had one person ever tell me, boy, I gave too much. Not one. But I have 10,000 that said, I sowed that seed, and God did a historical miracle. Everybody in here, get an envelope. I'm going to ask you to pray over it. I'm just going to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. How many think that's, that's the right way to do it, for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? So hold that envelope in your hand. I'm believing somebody here is going to write that check for 2023. I believe this morning or tonight, somebody's going to sponsor those five schools. But how many of you think the Holy Spirit was right? This church is going to surprise me. This church is going to shock me. Come on, how many know this church is going to encourage me? Everybody have that envelope? I want you to pray over it. In a moment, after God speaks to you, make your checks to John Jacob's Power Force. If you want to give by a card, I do everything by a card. There's a place in the back. Any card will work. And after we run it, we shred it. So nobody has ever seen someone's card in 30 years. So would you hold that envelope in your hand? Would you pray over it? America needs this church. Everybody say America needs this church. Hold that envelope in your hand. Let's pray over it. How many believe we're doing it the right way by not charging the schools? How many think we're doing it the right way by picking up all the expenses? Would you pray over this, make this a holy offering this morning? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this pastor. Lord, big things are coming for this church. And I just prayed that you would speak to every person here. Lord, let this be a seed that will start a new momentum of church growth. I call momentum of church growth. Come. I pray this church will grow more in the next year than it's grown in the last five years. I thank you, Lord. Before this year's up, they're going to go past what they saw before COVID. The Holy Spirit, speak to everyone here what you'd have them to give. Everybody say, Holy Spirit. Speak to my heart. What would you have me give? Now just wait. I believe the whole, this is God's business. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to those seven people to sponsor a school. I believe God is speaking that one person, write that check for 2023. Jesus said, if any two agree on touching that thing, my Father will do it. Then we're going to agree together for the greatest fall we've ever seen. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to every person. And thank you for this church.